beautiful. It's original, right? This is uh, churches like this don't get to have people who can write music like that. So I feel grateful. But it also is like the heart of my sermon, right? So uh, what would it look like to say yes to God is really like rather than saying no, like the next right thing, what would it look like? Um, and it sounds really easy, like, oh, yeah, we'll say yes to God or we'll do the next right thing. It's like profound. It's like the most difficult thing, the most difficult challenge we undergo. So I'm going to read uh, two scriptures. All, everything, all the scripture I'm going to be referencing comes from the same chapter, Luke chapter 22. So first I'm going to read Luke chapter 22, 47 through 48. This is right after Jesus uh, was in the garden uh, praying that God might take the cup. While Jesus was still speaking, a crowd appeared and the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the human one with a kiss? And I'm going to read Luke chapter 22, verses 54 through 62. And we heard these from Wendy. This is after Jesus is arrested. Judas has kissed him. He's been arrested. After Jesus was arrested, they led him away and brought him to the high priest's house. Peter followed from a distance. When they lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. A servant woman saw him sitting there and said, This man was with Jesus. But Peter denied it, saying, Woman, I don't know him. A while later, someone else saw him and said, You were with Jesus too. And Peter said, I'm not that man. An hour or so later, someone else insisted, This must have been the man with Jesus because he's a Galilean too. And Peter responded, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. And at that moment, while he was speaking, a rooster crowed. It must be a lot harder to say yes to God when what we have in Scripture is people continually saying no. It must be a lot harder than it seems, right? I mean, I want you to think about this for a minute. So Jesus, in his time of need, he's been with these people three years, these disciples, his closest friends. He's like, hey, pray with me. Give me some strength. I need you. I'm going to pray that, you know, I don't have to die. Can you stay up? And he goes and he prays and his, his tears almost become like blood. He's in such agony. He comes back. Where does he find them? Asleep. They couldn't stay awake even for an hour to support, right? He says three separate times in the book of Matthew, all right, hey, stay up. Stay up. I need help. And he goes back over to pray. And he comes back and again, they can't. You've got Judas, one of the 12 outright betraying him, turning him over to the authorities. You have Peter, his closest Peter, who earlier in Luke 22 looks at Jesus during the Last Supper and says, I'm, really, I'm ready to fight and to die for you. And that's when Jesus says, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. But Peter is asserting his certainty. He's convinced he's ready. I'm ready to be faithful. I'm ready to say yes, whatever that means. Until, of course, he watches Jesus get arrested. Then he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know that guy. Right? I mean, if you're Jesus, you've been let down, denied, and betrayed in every way a human can be. So if you've ever experienced that, just know Jesus has too. Right? You ever felt betrayed, denied, let down? I felt it. Today, I'm going to focus a little bit more like when we're the ones who do it, when we're Peter, when we're Judas, when we're the 12, 
who can't stay awake. So I want to say a few things. Last Sunday, we talked about Jesus in the garden, right? Jesus, who's been sharing the word of God, speaking truth to power, eating with people he shouldn't, healing people he shouldn't, loving people he shouldn't, and the authorities are set on killing him. At this point, when Jesus is in the garden, what options does he really have, right? We talked about this. One, he can call down a legion of angels and annihilate the religious leaders and the Roman Empire, right? He can get rid of them. He can control, he can use violence, he can protect himself. Two, he can lie, he can run, he can hide. That might save his life. Or three, he can say yes to God. He can say, not my will, but your will, and choose the road of sacrifice and of love, right? Here's what's interesting. The parallels of Scripture I find to be very powerful. It's the exact same choices that Judas faced with, Peter's faced with, and the other disciples, right? Manipulate and control, use violence, hide, deny, lie, say yes to God. Choose the path of the cross, of sacrificial love, right? Sadly, at this point anyway, only Jesus chooses that path. So I want to talk a little bit about Judas and a little bit about Peter. So I'm going to give you, there's lots of ways to interpret Judas. I'm not going to give you the definitive one. I'm going to do some extra biblical work. I'm going to give you my perspective. What do I think is really motivating Judas, okay? Given everything we know, we know he loved Jesus. We know he followed Jesus for three years. We know this. We know that Judas is a zealot. He's a Jew who believes that the Roman occupation is the worst thing, and he wants to lead. I mean, they wanted to lead a Jewish uprising, which happens. After Jesus' death, there is a Jewish uprising that Rome has to crush around 70 A.D., we know that Judas thinks that the Messiah is going to come as a Jew who's a zealot. The Messiah is going to come and overthrow Rome. This is Judas, right? What else do we know? We know that Judas betrays Jesus, and we know that afterwards he's filled with shame. He runs back to those he took the silver pieces from. He throws them back and says, I need forgiveness, and they cast him away. And we know he takes his own life, right? So what explains those pieces of evidence the best? Here's my perspective. I think Judas is all in. I think Judas is like Jesus' main man. I think he's ready. I think when Jesus decides we're going into Jerusalem, this is the triumphant entry. We're going to talk about it on Palm Sunday. And they march in, and Jesus goes right to the temple, and he starts whipping people out. It's the first thing Jesus does when he gets to Jerusalem because he's mostly been in Galilee in the small towns, and he goes to the city, and, oh, it's wonderful. You can just imagine Judas' heart being filled with joy, like, yes, they're going to get their comeuppance. Here we go. That's what I want. I know that's what TJ wants. I'm sure that's what lots of you want because that's human beings, baby. Jesus is about to regulate. <laughs> but soon after this, he retreats and he starts preaching about his death. He starts telling his disciples about the Son of Man has come and he's going to suffer, right? I can picture Judas feeling crushed. Like, what do you, whoa, whoa, whoa. That, no, the Messiah doesn't die. The Messiah changes the world. The Messiah takes power, establishes power, and fixes things. It makes the world right, because the world's broken. And all of a sudden, Judas starts to recognize that's not what Jesus is going to do. Do you want to know what could probably make Jesus do that, though? 
if he gets arrested, if he's threatened with death. I think in part, Judas agrees to betray Jesus because once he leads the Roman authorities, once he leads the religious leaders to Jesus, kisses him on the cheek, and he gets cuffed, no one's going to the cross, no innocent person's going to the cross if they have the power to avoid it. Judas, in my mind, this is just Joe Bankard's, uh, I think this explains Judas's behavior the best. He believes in his heart that once Jesus is arrested, he's going to call down the legion of angels. It's going to be Armageddon time, baby. So he goes, he kisses Christ, he gets arrested, and instead of Jesus defending himself, instead of the violent overthrow, and in fact, the disciples begin it, right? Peter takes the sword and cuts off that soldier's ear, and Jesus rebukes him. Nope. This is not the way of God, right? It's the road of sacrificial love. It's the hardest road. And at that moment, I think Judas is filled with shame. It's that moment that he realizes, I was wrong the whole time. Like, my plan failed. He rushes back, he throws the silver in, and eventually takes his own life because of the shame he felt. If he hated Jesus, if he thought Jesus was the worst, if he felt like that, then why the shame? Why the remorse? Why the regret? I think he had a plan and I think it failed. But I want you to think about Judas just for a minute. His theological imagination was just too small. The only way that power can change the world is through control. It's through manipulation. It's through violence. That's the only way. It's such a small imagination. So Judas does what most of us do when confronted with, like, I want A, God wants B, but maybe I can manipulate to get A. <laughs> maybe I can control. Maybe I can say no in just the right way to get what I want without the sacrifice. So Judas sets Jesus up. I'm going to get you arrested, son. I'm going to get you arrested, and you're going to have to be violent then, right? Wrong. Okay. Let's talk about Peter for a minute. So Peter takes a little bit of a different track, right? Peter's like, I'm all in, Jesus. Let's do this. I'll go to the cross. And as soon as Jesus is arrested, Peter, I imagine, like many of us, are filled with fear. It's like a boxer who has a plan until they get punched in the face. Everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Peter's ready to do it until he sees what's going on, that he's literally going to his death, and suddenly he's filled with fear. He doesn't know what to do. So when confronted with the fact that you're a disciple of Jesus, he says, not me, not me. I feel like this is just a clear sense of like hiding, running, denying. How do I avoid the consequences for my choices? I want to follow Jesus. I've been following Jesus, but I don't want any of the consequences. So how easily do I fall into the patterns of Judas and the patterns of Peter that I want to be a Christian and I want to come and be a part of this community on Sundays and I want the love of God, but man, I don't want to say yes to what God asks. I just don't because God's never going to stop saying, Joe, there's, a, there's the next right thing. There's the next difficult step on your faith journey and it's going to require 
Not manipulation, not control, not violence, not denial, not fear. It's going to require relinquishing control. It's going to require submitting to the will of God. It's going to require that most difficult of sentences when Jesus says, not my will, your will be done. That's what it means to say yes to God. And it's going to mean inconvenience and difficulty. It's going to mean people aren't always going to like us or agree with us. It's going to mean like having to love in ways that hurt, that are difficult, that are going to cost me something. Saying yes to God is not easy or else Judas would have said yes and Peter would have said yes and the disciples would have stayed awake, but that's not what happened. And that's not what happens. Okay, so we're in Lent. So here's the Lenten challenge as we go to the table, as we begin to take communion. Right? The Lenten challenge is this. We have this intentional time set aside every year to try to do small things, practices, habits, little things, because ultimately we believe that Lent will equip us, it will train us, it will provide us enough strength, enough faith, enough courage so that we can say yes to God one more time. We can do the next right thing. If I just try to do it without practice, without training, without equipping, I will fail. I'll fall asleep in the garden. But if I do the work to really practice, to really equip, to really draw close to God, then suddenly that yes is possible. It's doable. I can do it without manipulation, without control, without violence, without fear. So what's God asking of you? What's your next yes? What's your next step such that we wouldn't deny? The words are going to appear on the screen. 